2: Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves.
1: I am Dory Shafrir. And I am Kate Spencer. And we are not experts. No, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums.
2: And if you'd like to talk to us about serums, you may call our voicemail at 781-591-0390. You can also text us at that number. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com.
1: And we have many an active Facebook group. If you are in true Facebook, you may find us at facebook.groups slash forever35. Did I say it wrong? You said (laughs) facebook.com. You know, it's so strange. I've been doing this podcast with you for two and a half Uh, years, and yet I regularly say this wrong. Facebook.com slash groups slash forever35podcast. Yes, (sighs) Yes, <sighs> that is
2: correct. <laughs> um, and just a reminder that all the products we mention on the show are always on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod.
1: Here we are. Here we are. Two people podcasting in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm hitting a little a little bit of like a pandemic wall today, I think. Mm, talk to me. Well, you know, you just once in a while, you hit the pandemic wall. Yep. Uh, yep. I don't even know what to say. I'm irritable. I'm depressed. I'm grumpy. I'm angry at the world. I'm sad. I yep. am listening to Folklore by Taylor Swift. Yep, same. To the point where my kids keep being like, is this Taylor Swift's new album? <laughs> Lover is better. (laughs) Listen. Wow. They
2: they do not have an
1: appreciation for 2010's indie rock. I'm like, listen, y'all. You were born the year of that Bon Iver album. Like, (laughs) get into this. Uh, I, I, I quite enjoy that Taylor Swift album. I will say, like, today I was driving and listening to it. I was like... She made a whole album during quarantine. Like not, not the, like I would be one to compare myself to Taylor Swift, but I was just like, well, I guess I could have been like, I don't know, like doing an adult coloring book instead of looking at my phone eight hours a day. Kate, you you, we produced a daily podcast. <laughs> I know. I mean, I I have done stuff, but and I we record like, we record three episodes a week of this show this is it's all true but like what was she you know she was like oh i have all this time i'm just gonna like him hum and ha on this piano i don't know it's just like of course you made a freaking album i mean
2: taylor swift is a classic overachiever we all know this this is her brand
1: i honor that like totally love an overachiever
2: so it's not like a shock that she would do this but also i think it is fruitless to compare ourselves
1: to overachievers Okay, that is fair. It's also fruitless to compare myself to Taylor Swift. Yes, that is also true. I have not bought a like heiress's Rhode Island mansion. So uh, you know I can't I truly can't compare, although I do like that song about the heiress's mansion <laughs> on the new album.
2: I mean, I think that she is an international pop star. So cut yourself some slack. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? Anyway, Dory, I'm just in a funk. I'm just like, I'm just like, Bleh. everything is annoying. I'm mad. And also, I hate bathing suits. Where can I find a bathing suit?
2: I am right there with you. I, um, I have bought and returned two bathing suits this, this season. Um, one from J crew and one from old Navy. And here is my problem with bathing suits. Not to, not to immediately make this all about me, but I need, um, a bathing suit that is specifically made for someone with D cups. Me too. So when I get these other bathing suits, I'm like, there is, I mean, this is like, I, this is like not what I, how I want to look on the beach. Like this is sort of not. This is you not know great. what?
1: your D's held up by like two little strings from J Crew
2: literally. So, those have been returned, but it's hard to find. Like J Crew theoretically makes D and D like double D um bathing suits, but they're always sold out. Like I couldn't get one this year. I have an old one, but it's like kind of stretched out. Like I don't love wearing it that much, but I will wear it. But yes, i'm I'm right there with you on the bathing suit issue.
1: Where do you buy bathing suits, listeners? Do you have also, are there like great bathing suit companies to support? I, like I just I feel like I have no idea where a a person buys a bathing suit. So you know,
2: we all get those Instagram ads for like somersault. I've tried them. And their bathing suits are so cute, but I look at them and I'm like, this will not look good on me. They didn't work
1: for me. They yeah. did not they did not work. And I, so, I just ordered some from Lands End.
2: Oh my god, I was just gonna say Like I also, almost bought some from Land's End, which is like such a like I just feel like I love Land's End, but it, it felt a little bit like okay, I like I give up.
1: Right, like you fully <laughs>
2: transitioned into nineties mom. Transitioned into a middle aged mom, which I am. But uh. I was like, I I wasn't ready for it but I am really curious about what you bought.
1: It was like a cute bathing suit in theory and I saw it on um a relative and she's the one who tipped me off but it just did not work for me. It didn't hold my boobs up. It was like a almost like a t-shirt, like a V-neck t-shirt tankini. And then I bought this other tankini top and I think I bought it with like some sort of oh god they call it i think they call it like tummy control or something Mm. and i was like well i'll just try whatever i'll try this because i like the feeling of being held in because i also have you know i think double d boobs and i was like you know i I don't want i i like that feeling of like a bathing suit to feel like a nice hug Mm -hmm. but this was like putting on Dory it was like try it was like if i took a child's stocking and tried to Put my body through it. It was so uncomfortable, <laughs> and I want to be comfortable. Like I'm not trying to hide the shape of my body. I, yeah. I, I want to be comfortable when I'm swimming. Like I'm moving. I'm playing. It was like it was just. It was tight. It was tight, and uh, and also felt thick. Like I would be like swimming in two bathing suits. So look. <laughs> I'll, you know, uh, I'm i I would love a bath- I would love to buy a, a from a company that is size inclusive and um, maybe a like a, a woman identified person owned. I don't know. Like I, I I would love like a cool bathing suit company to support with bathing suits that fit um, my specific needs. Which is I don't want my boobs to fall out, and I have a very long torso. Uh, Let me ask just, you this. Let me yes, ask you yes. this. Do you have yes.
2: any bathing suits that you like right now in your possession?
1: I have one that I got on Amazon a couple years ago. And then, honestly, my favorite bathing suit is like a Speedo that I okay. wear to swim laps.
2: Because what I what I did do this year is I bought a couple of long-sleeve rash guards. Because, you know, I also like to be sun-protected.
1: Oh, don't I know it.
2: And... I have started wearing a rash guard over my one piece J. Crew Double D
1: bathing suit. Oh, that's intriguing. You know, I, I think on top of this, though, and it's not like I'm going on a vacation, but like mm-hmm. you also kind of want to look cool. You don't want to look like the middle aged mom you saw as a kid. You know what I mean? Like you, you still feel cool, even though you are a middle-aged mom and you want to look cool. I hear you, but I will tell you the last bathing suits
2: that I looked at and came very close to buying were literally like wet suits, essentially <laughs> like <laughs> full body, full coverage oh my God. bathing suits, because <sighs> I bought a couple of those for my son because it's like, very annoying to put sunscreen on a baby and like, you don't want a baby to get sunburned. So I just bought him like full body coverage bathing suits that have like UV protection. And then I was like, wait, why don't I just buy one of these for me? But guess what? There aren't that many of them. And the one that I found, I was sort of like, "Mm, I don't know. The reviews seemed a little like sketchy and then Mm. I got distracted and, and didn't end up buying it. Um, but I'm still considering it because I don't know. I also like I have, a,
1: I have an aversion to the sun. Well, you know, I'm on Land's End website right now and they have um, women's, it says plus size, high-waisted skirted swim leggings, legging pants cover up UPF 50 sun protection. It's like a skirt with leggings. That's kind of I'm intriguing. In, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'll send you a link because there are, I mean, I have, I have seen people who do wear like full body sun protection swimsuits, which also I'm not against, but it just is such a weird, I don't know. And you you want to feel like comfortable and I don't know, I want to feel good in a bathing suit, like anything, like any other piece of clothing you want to yeah. feel like yourself you know what i mean i think that's like mm-hmm. the problem with bathing suit shopping is like it's all like this doesn't look like me yeah i don't know dory and is is a bathing suit self care i don't know
2: i don't know riddle I me might... this riddle me this here's my other just issue and i would love to hear how other people deal with this these rash guards like they have no a lot of them have no cups or padding are you just supposed to wear the rash guard with nothing under it like I feel that feels weird so I've been wearing a bathing suit under a rash guard but I also feel like that seems
1: like extraneous I have wondered this myself like you have to I need something to hold my boobs yes same (sighs) it's a real conundrum look we are lucky that we have access to pools this summer and we can even be Grumpy about this, right? Like we, sure. it's nice to have a pool <laughs> or go to the beach. I'm doing the thing where I'm You're trying to find thing. gratitude. <laughs> I'm doing the thing. I'm trying to find the gratitude. <sighs> <sighs> I'm trying to find it. I appreciate to... you. It's not, <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> God help us, Dory. I don't even know anymore. Anyway, Dory, I. I, I mean, I, I, to me, a bathing suit is like anything where you, you know, you want it to represent who you are. Clothing is an expression of yourself, right? Sure. Yes. And and through that, you find care for yourself. So I, that, this is the leap I'm making here to qualify bathing suit shopping as a topic for this podcast.
2: Oh, I, I mean, I think I think bathing
1: suit shopping falls within the parameters of this podcast. Okay, thank you. Just making sure. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so that's what I've been up to. I'm grumpy and I can't find a bathing suit. Uh, What is going on in your life besides you wearing full body bathing suits?
2: Well, aspiring to wear full body bathing suits. Um, so I'm, I'm revising slash kind of completely rewriting my book right now and, as part of that, I've been revisiting a period of my life where I was extremely social and Mm. it's very weird. It's like, it's like a, it's like, it's like writing about a different, like a literally different person. And it's sort of like throwing this period of my life, life into sharp relief.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. It's very, it's a very strange experience. So on the one hand, I like reflect on everything I was doing back then. And it's like, like no thanks like it it sounds completely exhausting like i i I'm like I went out every night like <laughs> what <laughs> how <laughs> like how did I do that? um but on the other hand, I feel like I have very little outside stimulation right now, like I don't go anywhere, I don't see anyone yeah. um much less like go to parties. Not that I was like going to that many parties before, um, but still, I I just, there's not that much outside stimulation. And the only people I ever really see IRL are people who are like picking up hand-me-down clothes (laughs) from Mm -hmm. Henry. And Mm -hmm. we have like, and I feel like sometimes... You just like leave them out and the person takes them. But other times I feel like each person is so desperate for human connection that you have this like 10 minute mask sh- conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And that's like the extent. Yep. Um, so I don't know. It's been a very weird few days.
1: It's a, this is a very lonely time. Um, yeah. The longing for human connection is, is real. An in-person, like, real human connection. Yeah, totally. <sighs> um, and, I like, I know I could
2: potentially be doing masked outdoor activities, but it also just seems like... Like, why? I think we all read that McSweeney's satire, parody, yes. whatever, satire? Satire. Um, of, like, the woman who tells herself that she's being really safe but actually is like hanging out with a gajillion different people all all while passing judgment on other people who are also Mm -hmm. out and about like she is Mm -hmm. um and i just like i don't want to be that person either you know so i'm like well i guess i'll just stay
1: home well i think everyone you know you you should only do what is comfortable for you and if an outdoor masked hang is not for you, that's a good choice for you. You know, it's a it's yeah. good to respect that for yourself. I
2: guess. I mean I feel like it could be for me, but then I also am like I've gone so long without really seeing people that even just like the the thought of the effort I would have to make to set up a masked outdoor hangout just seems Overwhelming.
1: (laughs) I get it. It's weird. And I wonder what the long term impact this is going to have on, or maybe it'll have no impact. Maybe this will end and we'll just be like, oh, back to normal. But it's interesting to kind of like, I have a hard time now, like, communicating with people when I'm out. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I tried to pay for something today at a shipping store and I was like, "Uh, what's a dollar? I just was so confused. And it was, it's strange how. I don't know, we're just not used to certain things that were part of our lives. It's
2: very, very, very weird. So that's just everything I've been mulling over
1: lately. Well, it's interesting, too, contrasting it as you reflect on your mm-hmm. younger self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a very party weird animal self. My
2: party animal self. <laughs> Oh gosh. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So that's it's just it's just it's just a
1: strange time. It is. It is really really strange. There's like no other there's no other way to describe it. It's freaking weird. It's freaking weird. Um
2: so before we take a break, I just want to mention one other thing that will mean Nothing to the vast majority of people who listen to this podcast, but for the select few of you who play Mahjong, I just need to brag about this hand that I played the other night <laughs> because I feel like I will never top it and I need some validation about it. It was a closed, jokerless, self-picked hand for 140 points. I just sorry
1: could not believe i pulled it off (laughs) that's like what you drew you just got everything up top
2: no i i i i mean i got it in the 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 round after the charleston
1: okay well i'm excited for you that must have felt
2: great it did it felt really good but i was also like oh i'll never top this (laughs) you'll
1: top it
2: I don't know. But it did make me think, you know what? If nothing else, at least I learned how to play Mahjong during the pandemic. There, There's your folklore. That is your folklore, Dory. Oh, my God. That is my folklore. Wow. Taylor Swift folklore, Dory Shafrir, <laughs> Mahjong. It's a lifelong skill. Yeah, it know? is. Some and people play, play tennis. Forever. Some people play golf. I will play Mahjong. And uh, my mom is actually mailing me my Aunt Rose's old Mahjong set.
0: For oh, the that's day so
2: sweet. When we can finally play IRL. That's really special. It is. Uh, my mom has my grandmother's set and she oh, refused oh. to give it to me. <laughs> she does not play. <laughs> she doesn't play, but she won't hand it over. She won't hand it over. She's like, I think Aunt Rose has one. And then she went over. She, like, poor Aunt Rose, who's like in her 90s, living in assisted living, made her bring this mahjong set downstairs. <gasps> And she went one week. She she visits her like a couple times a week. She went once and she was like, Aunt Rose forgot it. So I'll have to get it next time. And I was like, it's okay. Like, it's not like I'm going to be playing IRL anytime soon. But I appreciate the effort. Anyway. That's still very (laughs) special. I'm glad you're getting your own. It is special. I'm, I'm very pleased. Apparently Aunt Rose and my grandmother didn't even play Mahjong. Aunt Rose's husband was going to sell sets. And so he got a couple of samples. Oh, that's fascinating. I can't wait yep. to see what it looks like. Um, I'll send you the picture, the very, very poorly focused picture that my mom <laughs> sent me. <laughs> you don't say. Hey, uh, oh, such a boomer photo. Anyway, uh, huh, okay. Um, let's right. take a break. And when we come okay, back, great. we're talking to Tara Schuster, who is a fascinating human.
1: Yeah, the author of a, of a self-help guide slash memoir called buy yourself the fucking lilies and and truly now whenever i see flowers i buy them oh that's so nice well, all right thank you Dori. we'll be right back
0: a lot can happen in the next three years like a chat bot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: Kate, I feel like we are, like, barreling into summer.
1: It's happening so fast. if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-U-I-N-C E.com slash forever thirty-five to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic Our guest today is Tara Schuster. Tara, welcome to Forever 35. We're so thrilled you're here. Thank you for having me. I mean, the pleasure is ours. <laughs> Tara, Tara is an author, playwright, and accomplished entertainment executive, most recently serving as Vice President of Talent and Development at Comedy Central. She was the executive in charge of Lights Out with David Spade, the executive in charge of the Emmy and Peabody Award-winning Key & Peele, the Emmy Award-winning At Midnight, and numerous other shows, including Another Period, Detroiters, and Hood Adjacent. And her plays have been performed in the New York International Fringe Festival, and her writing has appeared in The New Yorker and Forbes Online. And Tara's first book, buy yourself the fucking lilies and other rituals to fix your life from someone who has been there has been chosen by people magazine for new nonfiction is a received a starred review in publishers weekly and has been covered by forbes the hollywood reporter newsweek and parade a among others and if you cannot tell from the title this is a book all about self-love and self-care which means you are right up our alley you are speaking our language.
3: I was like nodding my head. I'm like yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I should say it's about self-love and self-care from a person who has had to find it themselves. So we could start at the beginning, you know, you're a TV executive who then wrote wrote this book. What what was your experience? I mean, look, I'm loath to use the word journey, but I'm going to go there. What was your <laughs> your journey of kind of hitting rock bottom, as you say, and learning to parent yourself and then learning to to get to a place of true self-love?
3: Yeah. um, You know, first off, I love your podcast because this is my number one favorite topic <laughs> is to think about <laughs> self-care because I honestly think um, that the answer of how we heal a lot of our communities and how we come together is Oh, you have to like yourself first. You have to like be okay with you, and then we can uh, and then it sort of has a, a ripple effect. Um so I'm I'm just so excited to be here. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Um but yeah, I so I did not set out to write a self-care book. If you had told me 10 years ago that I was going to write uh, a memoir of reparenting myself, I'd say, uh, well, you can go fuck yourself. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, like that wasn't the plan, but basically I grew up in a neglected house where things came to die. Um, the plants, the pets, uh, the, the house was always in disarray. My parents were never around. And I just never learned how to take care of myself. And so by the time I was in my early twenties, I was just this mess wreck disaster of a person. You know, on a, on a good day, you'd find me openly weeping on the subway in New York. And, um, that uh, it'd be a good day because it meant I made it through my day at work to cry on the subway, as opposed to in my cubicle. <laughs> um, and I I just I was self medicating with weed, you know, I thought, uh, let me just want all of my feelings. Um, or let me just pour some Pinot Noir into my depression. And I might have just gone on that way, had it not been for one particularly bad night, um, my 25th birthday. I drunk dialed my therapist, completely forgot that I did that on the night of my birthday, woke up the next morning with all these alarmed voicemails from her, like she was trying to find me. Um, And it turned out I had threatened to hurt myself. And hearing the worry in her voice, uh, this, you know, she was a really permacom European woman who always was drinking tea, hearing her worried about me made me really worried about me. And I kind of realized, if I didn't learn how to take care of myself, no one was going to teach me, no parent was going to come and rescue me. And I was worried I wouldn't survive. Um, So that next morning, I decided it was time to stop saying I shouldn't feel this way. Because that was a big thing. I, I thought, well, I didn't have the worst childhood of all time. You know, it was pretty shitty. And you know, I can kind of sense that it wasn't normal, but it wasn't the worst. Um, So for many years, I had used that as an excuse for not dealing with that childhood. Like I should feel better. That morning, I just said, fuck it. I don't feel better. I don't feel good. I feel miserable. And I have to, to find a way forward. But what is that way forward? Like, what are values? What are principles? What are vegetables? Like, what is <laughs> anything? Like, how the fuck am I going to do this? I don't even know how to use a vacuum cleaner. Like, how, how am I going to fix my life? Um, and so I just, in a pretty urgent, desperate uh, quest, began to Google and ask for advice from my uh, the, the parents of my friends or really any adult I could find. Um, I read memoirs as self-help, and I kept this all in a Google document um, because I had always been really good at school. So I was like, okay, what if I made this a curriculum of reparenting myself? Like, What if I took notes? Um, and I did that for five years, really intentionally doing it every day. And at the end of five years, I felt like a completely different person. I I felt stable and calm and like I knew how to take care of myself. And that's when I realized I had a story to share because I could kind of feel that a lot of other people, even if they had parents who nurtured the shit out of them, still had these big holes in like, how do you actually take care of yourself? in a meaningful way, not in a let's go to Tulum kind of way. Like Tulum is awesome. Cool. Great. Go on vacation. No problem with that. But how on on the daily do you build the habits that make you feel nurtured, make you feel like you're enough, and ultimately teach you how to love yourself? Um, I hope that wasn't too much of a ramble. But that's that's where that's where the the book came from and and that's sort of the the journey, as it were, from um hitting rock bottom to to writing um, what would become the book?:
1: Wow no, was not a ramble <laughs> at all. it was in, it was it's fascinating. and I just the the idea of having to reparent oneself. That sounds. That's not something I've had to experience, and it, I, but I think it's something many listeners will connect with. And it's very hard to 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 learn how to do that. Do you have um, thoughts, or for someone who who is hearing you say this and is like, "Oh, yes, I need to mm-hmm. do the work of a parent for my for myself"? What is one bit of advice that you tell people who also relate to that?
3: Well, the first thing I would say is put a hand on your heart and say it's okay sweetheart. I would say if you have if you're feeling like you need to reparent yourself, the the very first thing is oh my god, you're a badass for realizing that. Like put a hand on your heart, give yourself a hug. That's amazing because that's like the first step is just being gentle. Um you know, I think like I had really learned to be neglectful of myself. Like I had learned to be abusive of myself, be neglective of myself. So the first step is to just pause and say like, wow, good job, me. I can take this on. And I think the next is to sort of ask, where do I need healing? Like, where are the places where I need help, where I need nurturing? And for me, how I kind of discovered that was through journaling. Um, and it was definitely a process, but every morning I would do three pages of handwritten, just word vomit thoughts, um, you know, exploring all of my anxieties and kind of getting them out on the page. And from there I was able to start working on little things and I'd say, pick anything, I think we get really hung up. Like you hear like reparent and that seems really hard and like a really big concept. And oh my God, I'm never gonna be able to do that whole project. So if so I always say like start really small, like there are really simple things like would you like to know more about, you know, nutrition? Well then maybe a book on um like I read Food Rules by Michael Pollan, like What are like small little things you can work on? So I'd say number one is for the love of God, be gentle on yourself and recognize that it's amazing that you even know that you need to be reparented. And then two, start really small. And it really doesn't even matter what you start with. Like start with the first thing you think of because the key is to get started, To, to not worry about the outcome, not worry about how's this all gonna look in the end just start taking care of yourself.
2: Can you talk a little bit about your career path, how you kind of put the stuff that you talk in your book into practice in your professional life?
3: Yeah. I mean, it was funny. So I was really, really good at work and really, really bad at life. Um, and I think that was because having grown up in a neglectful house, I, I was searching for like adults to validate me. So mm-hmm. I was always a really good student. I always poured myself into studies and getting A's and external validation. And so, you know, just as I was kind of talking about self-care and reparenting, I think starts with the smallest steps. That's always how I approached things at work. Um, you know, I kind of got my first break by um, cleaning the coffee mach- machine at The Daily Show better than it had ever been cleaned. You know, like <laughs> literally, like I was, I was an intern at The Daily Show, and I saw that all the other interns were like doing bits and trying to be funny to like get discovered or something weird. And I was like, okay, the adults definitely don't like any of this. How how can I? Uh, how can I stand out? What could be my contribution and I noticed that the coffee machine that John Stewart used between rehearsal and taping was often like out of water or dirty or had an ominous red light blinking, and I just realized, oh my God, if I can make that coffee machine my bitch, I can like I can make a name for myself here. So every day I was just crazy about making sure that thing was in perfect working order. And sure enough, um, the producers of the show, when it, when it came to recommending, um, interns to get real jobs at Comedy Central, they hooked me up and got me my first job at Comedy Central. So I always, I've always operated that way, which is I look for the, the opportunity that is small, that is manageable, and that usually nobody else wants to do. Because there was no competition for that coffee machine. Like, that was an open lane. And I did a really good job. Um, Instead of worrying about, oh, how am I going to get a big job at The Daily Show? I just did the first little thing. And I've done that all through my development career, is just where can I add value? What here needs to be done that I can do? Without worrying too much about, again, like the outcome. Like, oh, am I going to be VP? Am I going to be SVP? I don't really worry about titles and, and that kind of thing. I just work. I, I, I try not to worry at all. I try to do the work of a small thing that I see in front of me. And that I have found has gotten me a lot closer to my goals a lot quicker than, you know, worrying and trying to plot out some elaborate, um, scheme.
1: So instead of like a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, you really focus on like the small tasks in front of you.
3: Yeah, I've been saying recently, like, I'm just not a big picture person. I think that's great that there are some people who can do that. You know, when I was graduating college, basically every commencement address was follow your bliss and, (laughs) you know, find your passion and you'll never work a day in your life and i was like cool 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 i just did a year of puppetry um should i follow that bliss like are you going to pay my student loans uh cuz if so i'll do it um but i i hated it because you know i didn't i i wasn't in a position to follow my bliss like i had bills to pay and also i didn't have one singular bliss so i felt like that was too much pressure so yeah my whole thing is sort of what is at hand, what needs to be done. And as long as you're going in the right direction, that is important. You know, a lot of writers ask me, um, you know, should I be a barista while I work on my screenplay? And for me, I always say, that might be difficult, uh, because you're not even working in the industry that you want to be in. You know, like maybe it would be better to have some kind of job within entertainment because at least you're in the right direction. Um, so I'd say it's the task at hand and, and at least being in the right direction of where you want to go. But yeah, I never look at the big picture. I'm never thinking about like the big goal. Um, I don't know if that's uh, sad or <laughs> what, but it's gotten me pretty far not worrying too, too much about how it's all going to work out in the end.
2: Yeah, I'm the same way, and I, and I've like I've lately been sort of wrestling with the question of, well, is this just a function of my like unexamined privilege that I have this conviction that like everything will be fine.
1: Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't That's know. Interesting. I mean, Where have you landed on that, Dory? Yeah, I, I'm still wrestling with it. I'm, <laughs> I'm asking Tara what she thinks.
3: Well, <sighs> you know for me, I guess I'd say, probably not, because, in my case, I didn't have the luxury of thinking about the big picture. Like I had to get the fuck out of l a and like I had to get away from my parents and i if I had gotten too caught up in the big picture i I think it would have just overwhelmed me like mm-hmm. I, I so it's more of a like defense mechanism and a mm-hmm. problem solving than i than I think of my privilege though, perhaps my privilege is blinding me. But I think that's, I think that is my take on it. Okay. I think. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're just, we're in a moment where everyone is examining, all right, everyone should be examining their privilege, yeah. right? And I have been trying to do that on you know, for myself and for my professional life, and when you were saying that, it just it made me think about some of the things that I've been thinking about lately. So I just was curious where you landed on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, in my case, I have a lot of privilege, and I definitely talk about that in the book. Um, you know, my parents, their finances were it's like it was like a boom and bust economy. Um, you know, sometimes we're broke and I was witnessing like car repossessions and the house was foreclosed on and all those things. But, you know, and the- another year we'd be on vacation in Hawaii and I went to private schools and an Ivy league college. Um, my dad went into lots of credit card debt to make that happen, but he still was able to make it happen. So there's definitely a privilege underlying it all. But I think just in terms of the big picture, for me, I I think it's more of a way to deal with not wanting to feel overwhelmed than anything else.
2: Yeah. I mean, the big picture is overwhelming. I think that's also part of why I like it. it also, for me, I think it was not so much fear of rejection, but it's like when you think about the mm. big picture, that kind of implies that you're setting up these really big goals for yourself. Right. And so what happens if you don't get them, if you kind of say to yourself, well, I'm just kind of taking things as they come, then you don't have to worry about not reaching the goals that you've set out for yourself.
3: And, and what I would say is I think that's such a good point. And I think like the, the kind of slight difference with my not looking at the big picture is I'm fucking intent on the small picture like nothing is going to get in the way of me like accomplishing whatever that small goal is. So there's like an urgency to it. Mm. You know, it, it, for example, i um, writing the book. I, I, if I had thought about, Oh my God, I need to write 90,000 words. That would have, that feels really big. But every morning I woke up before work and I would just work on one essay at a time. Like, mm. All of my commitment goes into this one essay. I'm going to fucking nail this. I'm going to give, every time I sat at my desk, it was, I'm going to give this everything I've got. But I was giving it to that essay as opposed to the whole book. Mm, you know, so so I think it's, it's sort of, it's not a, it, it's going to come like, it's not like, I'm not really that much of a uh, free spirit. Like I'm not like mm-hmm. such a, Go with the flow kind of person. It's just really that I fully, fully commit to whatever small step I want to take next and don't worry too much about all of the outcomes because those aren't necessarily things I can even control. You know, like I can't, I couldn't control if anybody would choose to buy the book or not. Um, But I knew I was going to write it. I didn't give a fuck. It was going to get done. at you know, at Comedy Central, there have been shows that I've worked on where I couldn't control if you know the president wants to pick it up to series or not. But I'm going to give it everything I've got and make the case for it and make it the best I can. So I guess maybe it's even it's just less of a um, focus on outcomes that I can't control and a urgency to work on the step that's right in front of me and give it all that I've got. I mean, that seems healthy. Honestly. I hope
2: so. Like, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, no, like, there, letting go of the things you can't control is really hard.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it it there was a quote in an interview that I read from with you that you said, you can't change your life overnight, but you can change one detail, like what time you go to bed, which has huge ramifications for the rest of your life. And that to me is kind of along the same lines of like, when we look at, when we like, take a uh, note of where we are in life. It, it can feel overwhelming, like all the millions of piles of messes in our own lives, both right. emotionally and also physical You know what I mean? But you change, you can change one thing or focus on one thing in front of you and do it well. And that can actually make a massive impact, not only in your
3: life, but in someone else's life as well. Absolutely. I, you know, and I think that is, the key to self care, actually, um, is, you know, we tend to think of our lives, or I used to think of my life as the big moments, you know, um, when am I going to get married and this big job promotion or, you know, big celebrations, but really your life is happening every single day in a series of mundane details. And that makes up your lived experience much more than those big moments. So when you start to tweak small habits, like something as simple as what time you're going to bed or what time you're waking up, you can change everything. (laughs) Like You end up having so much more um, control over your mood, how reactive you are to things, how uh, content you are, how grateful you are, all these um, small little knobs that you can kind of uh, tweak and control. Um, whereas you, you know, I think we've learned with COVID-19, there's so much we can't control. Like we thought we could, we thought we could make all these plans in the future and, and we really can't. Um, but the the very little things um, you really can make a big difference in your own life.
2: what are some of the things that you have done that have made a big difference in your life?
3: Oh my God. So there's so many, but I think the the biggest, probably um, my commitment to journaling, you know, I've been journaling for 10 years now and it's, um, I call it DMing with your soul. It's sort of like the best way I know how to get how to get to how I really feel, like what, what do I actually think, um, not what do other people expect of me or how am I disappointing somebody else or any, any other weird narrative I want to spin. It, it tells me like what I actually am thinking about. That one has been a big tweak, um, a commitment to waking up earlier. I was not a morning person at all for most of my life and in fact thought that was lame and just something I wasn't going to do but just the act of getting up earlier I'm so much more productive in the morning and I can be really creative and also it's time where nobody's calling me where I get to be alone that has been really important um and then I'd put right up there is my commitment to having a gratitude practice um you know a friend suggested i try to write a a list of 10 things i was grateful for every day sort of right at the beginning of my reparenting journey and i'll never forget it i, I was at this friend's like vacation house in maine and her cousin was going on about gratitude lists and positive psychology. And I was just kind of like, fuck you, dude. Like you have, like you are a ballerina turned doctor turned, you could be a lawyer if you're, if you want, like in a compound in Maine, like you have so much to be grateful for about, like what do I have to be grateful for? And so to sort of like spite her and show her that she was privileged and didn't understand what the fuck she was talking about, I started a gratitude list. Um, And it started really simple. You know, what am I grateful, grateful for? Coffee, water, the ability to breathe. And then I'm like, oh my God, coffee, water, the ability to breathe. I get to breathe. I'm alive. That is something to be grateful for. Have I been taking this for granted? And it was really like a mind blowing experience because I just, I had never been taught gratitude that just, that was not a part of my life. That was not a part of my upbringing. And I can tell you probably of all the things that I've implemented, finding things in my life to be grateful for has probably changed my attitude and my ability to, be non-reactive to pause in a situation and um not let myself get swept up in emotions and not let myself uh feel too much self-pity. My my gratitude has become one of my most resilient building strengths. So yeah, those are a, a few of the things that um that I've definitely taken on, the, the small habits that have made a really big difference.
1: You also make your, you make your bed every day, which like that changed my life. Um, and I did not start doing that until I was like well into my thirties. I'm almost 41 now, but oh my gosh,
3: like crazy how much that makes a difference.
1: Every day. I like, I love seeing like the rest of my bedroom. I'm currently sitting in it now. It's a mess, but the bed (laughs) is made and that feels like something
3: yeah i that was a huge deal for me, and is usually one of the first things I ask people um is like, do you make your bed? If the answer is no, why do you want to make yourself crazy? like <laughs> making your bed will make anyone who tries it I, i'm I've never met somebody who made their bed and regretted making their bed you know um it, it can really change things same thing with exercise, like even finding a anything. To sweat twenty minutes a day, it's wild the difference that it can make in your life. Um, But yeah, the, the the bed making I really that one is huge.
2: I have i I used to make my bed every day, and I have to say, in quarantine, that habit has fallen by the wayside. So you're inspiring me to get back on the making my bed train. Thank you.
3: Yeah, I, quarantine's weird. You know, I mean, this is a weird time. I'd also say, if some habits have fallen away, it's a okay. It, you also, know.
1: Also, Thank making you. making your bed can also feel like the most monumentous amount of work. Like every morning, I dread doing it. It's like it yeah. feels like it's going to just be so miserable, and then then it then it's over. But I I get why I get why you wouldn't. It's a pain in yeah. the ass.
3: I, to be clear, my made bed is not like so fancy looking like it's <laughs> like it is. I am literally all I am doing is throwing the duvet upwards and then putting the pillows in a pile. Like it doesn't look like a hotel, but it just doesn't look like a crazy sweaty mess. Cause I'm also like such a sweaty sleeper. If I didn't, it would just look, it would look strange, like just like a puddle and like a goop of a bed. So I, I just throw the duvet up. I, it, it's not like anything to write home about, but it, but it does make a difference.
2: No, it totally does. Because that was essentially how I made my bed. It wasn't like I, I was not making the hotel bed either. Yeah, <laughs>
3: no, I've no. never like, done to that. Be clear. Yeah. yeah. I don't ours know how is, to do that.
1: Ours is also just kind of a, a rumpled, a rumpled gentle mess but at least yeah. but at least the duvet is up to the pillows like it's, yes. it's not yeah it's uh, again also not a hotel bed but you know shout out to the people with hotel beds you know I don't know, how, them. I don't
3: know i don't know how you do
1: it but you do it
3: i know i think i read once something about how you could um iron your sheets oh, and i was like wait what what's going on what are people doing what and then they're, they're like oh you starchy pillows i'm like what huh Wait, how, why, why would you do that? Um. So no, 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 no hotel beds for me. Although shout out. Yeah. Total shout out to those who can do it. That's dope as hell. If that's what you're doing. <laughs> Very jealous.
2: I have a random Hollywood question for you. What is Please. a TV show? What is a TV show that you wish existed? Maybe something that you wanted to green light that you couldn't get green light or something that hmm. you just wish ha- you know was out there in the world.
3: I wish that there were more stories about people who are really trying and are optimistic about life. You know, like my favorite show, for example, is Fleabag, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's, she, she can't get out of her own way. I would like to see more stories of people who are succeeding at taking care of themselves and their communities. Um, and maybe even around younger women who are like trying, I mean, this is probably a very self-serving answer because like, these are things I'm thinking about. Like if I made a TV show, what would it, what would it be? Yeah. But I I asked you, that's why. Yeah. That's that's true. (laughs) That's also true. Yeah. Like young women, like girls who are, learn how to take care of themselves and, are courageous and smart and aren't always talking about having a boyfriend. I'd like to see more stories like that. Yeah, same. You know, I think that would go a long way towards even showing that that is possible. Because when I was growing up, there just weren't that many examples of um, characters in TV that were hopeful and optimistic and doing it for themselves. I mean, it was mostly like 90210 was something I watched. Like that's Mm -hmm. definitely, um, there are some super problematic messages about, uh, I I think all I cared about in that show was Luke Perry. Although, I mean, Luke Perry was amazing. Um, But yeah, more stories around young women. I think I'd love to see.
2: Great. Same. Um, That seems like a, Good note for us to end on, actually. So let's get those shows about young women made. I mean, you will be able to make them when you run Hollywood. So I look yeah. forward to this. Yeah, <laughs> you amazing. sincerely, I sincerely do. Um,
3: and yeah, it was so great to talk to you. Yeah, it was amazing talking to you guys, and you know, I just am such a fan of the show, and thank you for for showing that that these things are possible that it's possible to take care of yourself and it's even fun and enjoyable uh, to be curious about how to do all of this well thank
2: you oh likewise yeah Yeah. um tara where can people find you if they're interested in following you on social media buying your book etc
3: yeah, um, you can buy the book anywhere, um, that books are sold. And, um, I'm on Instagram way too often, <laughs> which is Tara Schuster at Tara Schuster on Instagram. Like, yeah. And, and you could just talk to me there. Um, cause I really like talking to readers and anybody who's interested in self care. And then I have a weekly, um, newsletter where I discuss one not-so-cheesy, you'll-throw-up-in-your-mouth self-care tip every week. Um, and you can subscribe to that at Tarashuster.com.: Awesome. Done, done and done. again. Thank you. So nice talking to you.
1: You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid forties, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad; they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay, which is okay. I know. bull on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about
2: I'm going to buy myself some fucking lilies.
1: That title of her book makes me laugh so hard because you read it and you, for me at least, I knew exactly what it was about just by reading that one line. Did you feel that totally. way? Like, like yes, oh, I get exactly what you are going yes. to tell me, and I'm here yes. for it. Yes, she was so cool to talk to. We really loved. She was fascinating. Challenge. She's
2: had like a fascinating life.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Okay. Let's get, let's get into the intensity zone. Oh boy. Okay. Have you doubled down on sleep hygiene?
1: Actually, I've been really good about it. Yeah. Amazing. I've been really, I've been really so much better about it and making oh my myself gosh. read at night, which has been great. And I've been taking my melatonin. And I've been plugging my phone in away from my bed. I've been really trying, and I feel better. You know, that's so I do feel better. Great, mm, I did it.
2: I'm, I'm like genuinely very happy for you. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. so nice.
1: Thank you, Dory. Well, you know, I'm trying. I like, I like when I how I feel when I get sleep. So yes, it's
2: so it's like it's so
1: wild how it makes such
2: a difference. Oh but it God. truly does.
1: Yes. Yes, it does. And I slept till like 8 a.m. the other morning on a weekend, which was like I had gone to bed at like 11. So it was like a good nine hour. Oh, mm, that's yeah. Great. Felt great. Love that. Anyway. This what do you have week, going on
2: this week? Yeah. T- talk to me about this week. Oh
1: my God, Dory. I have not, <sighs> I have not put my clean laundry away in like weeks. It's just, um in a laundry basket that I keep piling more laundry on top of. Uh Uh-huh. And then, like, at least once a week, I pick up the basket, I put it on my bed, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put this all away. And then I don't. And then, then, like, at night, rolls around, and I'm like, I'm tired. And then I just put the laundry back in the basket and put the basket back on the floor. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, So right now, it's on my bed, literally right (gasps) behind me. There is nothing I hate more than fucking putting laundry away. I hate it. I hate it. I it's hate so it. It's so interesting.
2: I hate it's, it. Because, it's, like, there there are definitely household tasks that I hate, mostly, like, doing dishes. Laundry, I don't hate as much for some reason. So, I don't So, like, know.
1: Af- you folded the laundry and then you just put it away? Yeah. I don't even understand what that's like. I mean, this laundry has been sitting here probably for two to three weeks. Wow! Wait, have you not run out of things to wear? No, I dig through the basket and I find oh, the thing I need. The, I see. The basket. The basket, <laughs> the basket I see, is. A, I see. It's a closet and a set of drawers all in one. But it's just I a ba- gotcha, laundry basket. I gotcha. Yep. I gotcha. Okay. But it's like getting to the point where like I, I have to put it away. It's really bad. right. Like enough already. Oh, I just I hate it, but like I don't want to do it. Oh.
2: I know it is one of those things though that like the lead up to it is so much worse than the actual doing. You know what I mean, like yeah, it's like making a doctor's appointment, yes, or like doing your taxes like it it just it's it sucks, but it doesn't take as long as you like think it's going to, and then you feel so much better
1: afterwards. I'm going to take a photo of the pile so you can have a sense of what we're talking about. I'm going to share it on our Instagram and see if anybody else lives this life, too. But I'm going to send it to you because this is fascinating. Yeah, I want I want to really horrify you and introduce you to a new side of me that it sounds like you don't know. No,
2: I don't. I mean, I I, like I feel like we've talked a little bit about your laundry and sometimes you'll be like like when we used to record at your house and i had to like use the bathroom that was in your bedroom you would be like ignore the laundry <laughs> sometimes <laughs>
1: yep yep because it's probably it's been sitting there for a month and it just piles
2: but- I don't think we've
1: ever, like, truly gotten into it about your laundry. Like, I kind of live like a teen in, an in an, like, a 90s sitcom with, like, you know, in, like, the teen mm-hmm. bedroom where it's just piles? Like, yep. I feel like I've yep. never yep. graduated from that. Mm-hmm. And I would really like to have a clean bedroom. Oh. I have faith in you. Okay. I think you can do it. All right. I'm going to report back. Give me, okay. let's do this. Let's, let's do this. I'm going to buckle down. Okay. <sighs> What are you doing after we record? Well, I'm going to do the laundry, but what I want to do is like play Animal Crossing and read my book and go to bed. But I I need to do the clothes.
2: Do the laundry and then you can play Animal Crossing.
1: Okay. I'll reward myself with the Animal Crossing. I love a reward. (sighs) Okay. Dory. Yes, Kate. While I'm doing that. Yes. Last week. You were buckling down work-wise. Sounds like you have done this.
2: I have been buckling down. Turns out that, like, uh, what's the expression? The rubber hits the road. I don't know. I I just, I really needed to be under the gun, as they say, apparently. But you know what? Also, also, I had a really, really great conversation with my editor that I've mentioned already, and it was like very clarifying. And so, I felt like very much energized, and like I had a new perspective on the book that has like allowed me to do all of this work. Um, and I have, I feel like I, I have like momentum that I didn't have before. Great! I'm so happy for you. Well, thank you, thank you so much. I hope that it's coherent. (laughs) What if I'm just like typing gibberish? What if I'm typing actual gibberish? (laughs) You know what? I don't know. It could happen. It's if you do, it's fine. I know. All right. Well, it's not, but okay. Um, This week, I just want to call two friends on the phone. Oh, okay. Just have
1: like a catch-up on the phone.
2: Not Good. even, a, not even a Facetime.
1: No, no, just phone.
2: I like An that old-school, old-timey. Get on the kitchen phone, turn off call waiting, and just have a gab.
1: Have a gab. <laughs> Sounds it's like what someone wearing a, a Lands End bathing suit would. Call a conversation. I
2: mean, I'm just trying to embrace this new phase of my life.
1: <laughs> I had a gab with my best friend on the phone the other day, and it was oh, great. Yeah. You got a gab. You got a gab. Do you know who you're going to call? Do you have your gabs well, picked out
2: yet? I do have one friend who I texted today, yesterday, um, and was just like, hey, like, let's catch up this week, and um, I think we're going to talk at some point like we we've been texting about when we're going to be able to connect um, and i think we'll be able to to chat this week and then i haven't selected the lucky recipient of my second phone call so stay tuned <laughs> you know it i i feel like i already talked to you so it it, it won't be you
1: that's I, that is okay i
2: <laughs> just want to just want to i feel like i need to come clean about that oh
1: no we talk all the time
2: we do we talk a lot um but yeah there is there's something just like nice and old school about just audio and you know you and i actually don't record on zoom like we can't see each other when we're recording Mm -hmm. which i initially thought was going to be to the detriment of our podcast but I don't think it has been, if I do say so myself. No, I love it. It feels yeah. very natural. It does. Maybe because we are children of the 80s. Maybe we're used to doing this. Yeah, it's in our blood. Back to our roots. <laughs> Back to our roots. Well,
1: Kate, it's been a pleasure as always. Oh, you know what? A total delight. This always makes my mood better. Same. And, same, you same. know, It is a privilege and an honor to tell you that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by you, Dory Shafreer, and me, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. And Sam Reed is our project manager. And thank you for coming along on this journey with us. Bye. Bye.